Are you suffering from back pain? Well, I've got the thing just for you. 15 surefire tips for relieving back pain, plus 192 others just in case, volume 1, available at Amazon.com. Over 30 million Americans are suffering with back pain at this very moment. The vast majority of these cases are either caused or exacerbated by common lifestyle factors. Many of the same factors may be causing you pain right now. Join board-certified physician Andrew Kirshner as he guides you through the parts of your life where these problems occur and gives you simple, safe, and effective solutions for these common daily pitfalls. In this fun and informative book, you will learn how to identify the aspects of your life which may be causing you pain, how to create a back-friendly environment, how you can improve your pain by improving your sleep, ways to make a pain-free commute, how you can perform daily activities without making your pain worse, and much more. Andrew Kirshner is so well respected in the field of back pain relief. He has you know, famous clients such as DJ Jazzy Jeff. He has done uh, many talks and lectures at universities in the UK. He has appeared on QVC demonstrating back pain relief products and that is because he is an expert in his field and people trust him. Also, check out the 5 star reviews on Amazon.com. This is the book that you need if you suffer from back pain. That's 15 surefire tips for relieving back pain plus 192 others just in case. Volume 1 available at Amazon.com in paperback. Check the link below the show for more information. Hi kids, welcome to another episode of Pablo's Poppin' Podcast, I hope everyone's doing okay. Now, I wouldn't normally tell you this, but this is the second uh, intro for this show that I've done. Um, the first intro was kind of, kind of a bit of a downer. Um, I kind of went into, because I... I I'm suffering from depression, and people know this, and this show is called Turn Chuckle, and it is light-hearted, I, I swear, it's not just talking about depression, but a part of uh, doing these podcasts, it's kind of like therapy for me to be able to just get shit off my chest, and that goes with the Pablo's Pop and Podcast show as well. Um, no one may listen to these intros and outros, I hope you do, because I do advertise the sponsor, and I uh, do thank people as well, um, but... Yeah, I, I know that the, the guest is the draw, and you know I'm just here to uh, as a facilitator, I guess, um, and hopefully you find it entertaining, and I thank everyone who tunes into these shows. Um, I don't get the, to do them as often as I'd like, um, 
and that's due to a number of reasons. The Turntruckle Raw show, uh, where I meet myself and Colin Delaney, uh, commentate over all the episodes of Raw. We have a lot of fun doing that. Colin is very busy, and uh, you know he's opened a new store, a comic uh, slash toy slash coffee uh, kind of establishment called Pop Rock. And if you are in Rochester or in surrounding areas, go and visit it. Um, it but we will be continuing those shows. Um, it'll just be when and where we can sort of thing um and obviously being a wrestling podcast as well it's specifically an old school podcast um i'm trying to find i've been talking chatting with a friend uh, alex and we are considering putting a show together um because it, which is just like a conversation that we have because it's I mean, he is hilarious and um we go into all different kinds of things and i realized that while it's great that I can get guests, um, and I'm very, very lucky and proud to be able to somehow get guests on the show, um, like Sam Houston, Danny Davis, Omar Johnson, Jameson, and many more, um, I want to put out more content, and I, I enjoy talking about wrestling, and that's the point of the podcast, or and podcasts in general, is that you can be niche and talk about what you like, and... I'm incredibly thankful for the sponsor, Andrew Kirshner. He's a friend, he's a collaborator, um, and he's my sponsor. And um, he's been with me since day one, and he believes in the show. And um, I really want to help push his product more. Uh, 15 Surefire Tips for Relieving Back Pain, his book. If you have any kind of everyday back pain, check out the book. Uh, the link is below the show, and it, it helps out this show. Um, and kind of justifies the sponsor as well. Um, so I, I do really appreciate it. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I have the Instagram page as well for Turn Chuckle, which um, shows... I put I like posting uh, just random bits of my collection because it, it intrigues people, and I've had interactions with past and present uh, WWE employees um, on the page, which has been a lot of fun. And um, I've seen the power of hashtags on Instagram as well. You know, it... it it can push the show further than maybe Facebook or other platforms. So anyone who's found me through Instagram, I'm uh, really grateful as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, I start on a point and then I go off in a million different directions. Um, I realized, you know, the, the podcast, I'm grateful that I, I can make some money from it to keep the podcast going um, but it shouldn't be the main reason to do a podcast and I kind of forget that sometimes um, you know I, I do it because it's a release for me and when it becomes not a release uh, then I get stressed and then depression kind of kicks in a little bit and then you know I do go weeks without doing things because I've had a lot going on in life and uh, the reason why I'm doing this the second time is that I listened to the second part of Sam Houston's interview and with everything that he's went through you know and he's come out on the other end and he's so positive and um, um, encouraging and motivating I wanted to redo the intro and um, you know he the interview did it lifted me up and I hope it does with you as well there's some hilarious stories in there as there is with part one and you know he talks about his salvation and I'll be playing his uh, new track salvation uh, turns out he's got an amazing voice yeah <laughs> I don't know why he's been hiding that um, and he is also a writer as well and um, I do apologize to Sam for not having uh, this part two up before his uh, wrestling show 
the APWL. Um, that was earlier in the month. There will be more shows coming, so and I will do my very best to help promote those as much as possible in my own small way. Uh, but from what I hear, it was a rousing success, and uh, long may it continue. And all, and all the ticket sales went to charity as well, so um, you know, and went to worthy causes. So you know, if you do get a chance, and you get to see Sam in the ring as well, which is, I mean, that's incredible. So and Sam is, um, you know, he's in shape. He, uh, you know, the, the joints are creaking a little bit, but you know that doesn't stop him. And it's it, again, it's one of those things that you know everyone's issues are important to them it's not top trumps you know and it's all about empathy and i i don't i try not to complain too much i mean i do talk about things that are going on in my life but you know i don't think they're any bigger or smaller than other people's problems and i you know it's one of those things if you listen to previous episodes of the show if you i i like to think that i'm you know i have I'm a good listener, basically. Um, I may not be able to convey it very well, but I'm a good listener. So if you want to get in contact and just chat about shit, then I'm here to talk to you. You know, um, I have confided in people with many things, and I've I've probably been more open and honest. You know, I in some ways I find it weird that I still have friends in some way because of the, how open and honest I've been over the past couple of years about things and. Um, but it has done me the world of good, and I think it would do everyone the world of good to just not bottle things up. And if you have things that you want to talk about, consider me your friend. Uh, you can contact me if you have like no one else to talk to. Um, and listening to Sam's interview, and the fact that he, you know, has been through a lot of things and still wants to help people as well, I found that very motivating and inspiring and touching. Um, and the fact that he even had time to spend with me and wanted to chat with me and appreciates the fact that I'm a fan, um, you know, it, it was a really cool thing. So I, I feel lucky, basically, and um, I, I felt the need to let everyone know that instead of the original intro, which I have deleted now because <laughs> that would have bummed you out completely. Um, so yeah, I think that's I think that's just about everything. Do cho- uh, check out the archives. Um, I've interviewed many names in wrestling. Um, I'll be interviewing Keith Elliott Greenberg quite soon, uh, the you know magazine writer for a long time, and uh, he has co-authored several books, including Freddie Blassie's and Billy Graham's, and uh, Volume Three of the Encyclopedia. I've got so much nerdy shit to ask. <laughs> uh, the same with Tom Buchanan as well. When I interviewed him, uh, the longtime photographer, just things that like I don't think anyone else would maybe even care about, but I've wanted to know this stuff. So yeah. Uh, before we get into my interview uh, part two with the wonderful Sam Houston, this is his track Salvation, and we'll be back right after that. I saw the fear in the devil's eyes that night 
Cause the son of the Lord had come to save me His life on the cross is what he gave me Offering salvation for my sins Later that night in the pouring rain I took to my knees, I started praying My mind was filled with fright and my heart with pain And Jesus came into my heart He washed my sins for a brand new start I was baptized by the Lord in the precious rain And the lightning flashed across the sky The thunder rumbled and rolled on by I saw the fear in the devil's eyes that night Cause the Son of the Lord has come to save you His life on the cross is what he gave you Offering salvation for your sins Temptation can be an evil thing It pulls your mind into its ring It'll make a big strong man fall to his knees But the Son of the Lord is stronger, I'll boast And I'll put my faith in the Holy Ghost It'll echo in my heart until I'm gone See the lightning flash across the sky The thunder rumble and roll on by You'll see the fear in the devil's eyes at night Cause the Son of the Lord has come to save you His life on a cross is what he gave you Offering salvation for your sins Listen to me close, my friend Time is drawing near the end And Jesus paid a price we could not afford So I'll saddle up on a lightning bolt Ride shoulder to shoulder with the Holy Ghost And I shall be a warrior for the Lord And the lightning will flash across the sky The thunder rumble and roll on by You'll see the fear in the devil's eyes at night Cause the Son of the Lord has come to save us His life on the cross is what He gave us Offering salvation for our sins So when you went to uh, the UWF in uh, 1987 um, Did you, were you under the impression that it was going to be a long term thing? Because the UWF kind of folded not long after you had uh, joined um, Were you, you were pushed Right, well I had, I had never thought, I, okay, Bill Watts, the way Bill Watts and my, my dad ran, uh, ran things, they, they ran things, uh, wonderfully. The UWF was actually beating Vince McMahon in the ratings in several of their markets. Yeah. Um, in their television markets, they were beating them by two or three points in some markets. And I always thought that the UWF, I mean, that was a mainstay. It was sort of like Texas, the bond, you know, the, with the sportatorium, um, you know, with, uh, with Bill Watts and the UWF, it was such a, uh, a class promotion. It was hard to work for. And when I went there, yeah, I didn't think that it would ever fold. And then Jim Crockett came in with $6 million and bought the territory. That's what we heard. I'm not sure if that was the actual figure or not. Do, do you think that um, <clears throat> Watts maybe made a mistake trying to go national and compete with Vince? Like, do you think that, like, some no, of the... No, uh, I, I think, I think, uh, okay, I think, you know, I think he did a good job. Yeah. Uh, I really do. I think what it was, I, I do think what they should have done was maybe, uh, you know, go, well... If he if he would have stayed by himself, he would have you know it would have been three companies, mm-hmm. uh, and then but he, he figured 
Uh, he'd sell out to Crockett while the money was on the table. And, uh, you know, and then Crockett would battle. And But he, he also thought that his territory would be kept intact. Yeah. You know, uh, when Crockett bought it out, he came in there and basically... He tore the he tore the house that uh, Watts built down instead of instead of putting it over and and um, you know and, and relishing in the fact that hey we have acquired you know and, and making it something making it a goal for the fans of look how great this is the NWA is now you know taken over and we've merged with the UWF you know what's a- and we're bringing wrestling back to yeah, Watts had such a great roster uh, in the UWF as well, and it feels like they could have um, taken advantage of that more than they did. And obviously not everyone was brought in to uh, Crockett, and you were one of the guys who wasn't unfortunately brought in. So Well, see, okay, yeah. The reason I wasn't brought in was before, okay, <clears throat> whenever Nicola Babydoll and I got married, yeah, uh, I guess that we committed political suicide the office didn't want that that went away against everything their wishes but hey you know we were two young people in this business and and we were in love yeah you know i still love her with all my heart uh and and she will always be my perfect 10 <laughs> you know uh, i love her to death i just can't live with her <laughs> <laughs> so as a but, as like a sort of a young good-looking baby but, face as well were you told by the promoters as well to maintain the single um, um oh yeah like definitely. like pre- basically pretend you know? that you were single so the girls would come and you know right buy yeah, the tickets. I, I, and, and that's what it was but it, with with Nick Law on the road with me and everything i could always you know scoot off and nobody knew about it. I, I wasn't carrying a girl with me everywhere i went or anything like that yeah you know I was, but uh but anyway when we got married Oh, oh gosh, that was political suicide. So what, what Jim Crockett did was to punish us. He sent us out to Kansas City. You know, they were going to split us up. They were going to leave us, leave her in Charlotte and me in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And I said, we're not going to be married every other Thursday night. Yeah. And uh, and so she came out to Kansas City with me. Now, she was uh, on the heel side. I was on the baby face Side. So Big Boss Man or Bubba Rogers, uh, Big Bubba Rogers, you know, Ray Trailer. Yeah. Uh, had only had a couple of matches. Warlord had only had a couple of matches. So they all send us out to Kansas City. I was the new Central States champion. Every once in a while, I would uh, I would get the treat of being able to work with Buddy Landell or Bill Dundee or somebody like that. But usually every night it was me and Ray Trailer or me or Warlord or me and Bulldog Bob Brown. That's awesome. Um, so I, I'm such a yeah. I'm such a fan of. Uh... So I was, well, that's why that's why I wanted to tell you <clears throat> the matches with me and Boston Man. Yeah. In uh in uh, WWE or WWF, you know those are really good matches. You know, and I and I saw that uh, Vince is pulling everything off of YouTube. They were really awesome matches. Yeah. You know, um, and uh, but you know, I I had taught basically. I taught Warlord, and and Bubba both had to work in in the Kansas City territory. Wow. So I'm I'm guessing that like uh, Bossman was. You were really one of Bossman's first opponents in the WWF as well. And- yes, yes, and and you know, and and 
God, we, we work to, we work so well together in Kansas City in front of eleven people. Yeah, and then when you're out in front of seventeen thousand, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm I'm, re- I'm really <laughs> I'm really hoping some of that stuff um, shows up on the network as well because they seem to be finally, you know, um, really digging the archive sort of thing. And um, you know, di- what do you, what do you think of the network in particular? Like. Has- well, Okay, I I I don't have it. I would I've seen it, you know, here and there. I'd like to get it later on, uh, whenever I get settled. Um, yeah. yeah, they've got five pages on me on there. Uh, my buddy was showing me the other day. Uh, he said, "Man, he goes, you're on five pages of the network." Yeah, you know, and you know, of course, a lot of it is WCW. I mean, WCW or or NWA. Mm-hmm. You know, because they got that out with when they got Turner. Uh, but, you know, it's really neat, you know, and what's happening is now people like I, I was down in Florida last May and I wrestled six times on Earth Day birthday. Uh-huh. It was uh, a big, uh, a big event at the college. There were 11 bands playing and we wrestled every time the bands switched. So there was six breaks <laughs> and there were 11,500 people. Well, the, the guy told me, he said, he said, you can do whatever you want to. So I went out there and uh, I wrestled six times that day. I was the only guy undefeated. The first match was the singles. Then I did a handicap match. And then I did a six-man tag match. But one partner was hurt. And the other one, um, was, well, let's just say wasn't my cup of tea. Uh, <laughs> so I, I had him watch the guy that was hurt both on the outside. And then I wrestled in the six-man tag match with no tag team partners. <laughs> so then, then I... So the another time, uh, and then I came back from the ring that time, but after the fourth time, and a guy in the dressing room stood up and prison punched his girlfriend right in the face and dropped her right in the dressing room. Oh, wow. Or in the little tent uh-huh. and ran to the ring. And there was this little fellow over there jumping all around, like he all excited about going to the ring and trying to have his match. He just put his hand off my hand on his chest and said, you got the night off. and i went out there and that fellow that i got in the ring with um i i did some you know anyway i'll just put it like this he hasn't wrestled since and i chased him out of the i chased him (laughs) out of the fairgrounds clean out to the parking lot Um, but i wrestled six times that day and i'm I'm (laughs) guessing i'm guessing as well because you used to work you know you have worked with just every name you could possibly think of, you know how to have different matches with the right opponent as well. So that, you know, I'm guessing that was just, you know, easy for you to be able to have six matches, but make them all different. And, um, Oh yeah. 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 You know, nothing, nothing is ever the same. I just, you know, pick different things when I go out there, Yeah, you know, uh, you know, and it turns out different every time. Um, but yeah, uh, see the reason, Oh gosh, and the reason I'm so so I guess agile or versatile when it comes to that is because the guys that that, that I you know when I broke in the business when I came in, the, the, I mean we had guys like Johnny Weaver, like I said Paul Jones, we had uh, Sonny Fargo, Rufus Jones, Jimmy the Boogie Woogie Man, Valiant. You yeah. had all these great main eventers, professionals already, and they would sit there and they would watch your matches. Yeah. You know, and then they critique you on the way over. I learned so much being Johnny Weaver's tag team partner. You know, yeah. Uh, and and this was back when, when I first broke in, and you know, and I didn't realize 
the education I was getting then. But I got to tell you, I am so thankful I got it. Yeah, you know, because you don't get guys today. You don't get the you don't get the guys I watch in the dressing rooms. You know, when I go and and I and I watch and and everybody's off to themselves and nobody's trying to you know uh, look out for you know for the next guy. They're just looking for a way to stab him in the back and take his spot. Yeah, as well, you know, like um, when you're not, you know, from from what I've seen, because I can't really claim to know, but when wrestlers don't study other wrestlers matches on the card as well if you do something that someone if someone does something in the first match that someone plans to do in the main event you know that's going to mean yeah. nothing but trouble for that guy in the in the preliminary match as well because you have got to think to maybe check and make sure that you know you know you, you don't want to do something in the first match that's going to take away the well, excitement about the that's match. like I did an event the other day the other night and two guys or two or three guys went to the ring with the same music you know <laughs> right, okay <laughs> well, that's my song well that's my song well that's yeah. my song and I'm sitting here and I'm looking at them and I'm thinking man somebody should give them all like a hand towel and let, let them swat at each other because they're, they're <laughs> swatting at each other and bitching at each other like little girls. Uh, yeah, not, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I want to slap them in the head and go, you know, grow up, you know, grow up here and, 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 you know, take what's yours, uh, you know? No, definitely. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, people in the first match, I, okay. You know, and, and this goes back, you know, the first match should there should never even be a punch thrown in the first match. You shouldn't have a whole lot of choking and a whole lot of you know stuff like that. That needs to be saved for your main event. You've got a, a real responsive crowd. Yeah, you give them something, but you give them a little bit. Yeah. Let them find it, grab hold of it, and then let them charge forward with it. That that's you know? I have friends who don't really understand my way of thinking as well because again I'm not a wrestler and I can't pretend to know what it takes to be a wrestler as well but just from a fan point of view something like WrestleMania that was just uh, just shown a month ago it's a five hour long show and every match has every possible move that you could possibly think of so by the main event for the title. You just you've seen everything. You're tired, yeah, and and the match at WrestleMania as well. You know, it it was getting boring chants and stuff, and it's just that's just an indictment of the the booking really, and just the you know the lack of just. Well, thinking what's wrong? That, you know. What's wrong right now? What's wrong right now is if you you've got armchair quarterbacks, people yeah. that have never been in the ring wrestling. And they're writing up all these. Uh, they're, they're, I, I've seen how they do it now. They script the moves out, move for move, and then they give it to this sheet of paper to a Michael Hayes or Arn Anderson or this one to Dean Malenko, that one or the other one. Mm-hmm. And then that guy goes and he has to get with this this match because that's his match. He's the producer of that match, and he has to show these guys how to wrestle because they're uh, they don't know how to wrestle. The characters are not wrestlers. I think that, like, you know, there's a lot of amazing athletes as well, but it's just, at the same time, there's a lot of overexposure for me. Like, you know, back in the day, the champion was on TV maybe once a month with a match. <laughs> right. You know, and now when they're on it, and this is just, and I try not to be critical of it as well, because, I mean, you know, we all know that, you know, there's so many critics of wrestling because it's, in a way, it's an easy thing to have an opinion on because, you know, everyone watches it. But 
just yeah. just from a fan point of view, you just get burned out, really. And that's why I love the older stuff because it never gets <laughs> well. It, it's older stuff, but it, nev- it never gets old. If you know what I mean, because it's just right. Yeah. yeah. My event next. Uh, okay, I'm I'm going to Vegas now. I know in Vegas at the CAC convention, I know they're you know on Sunday night they're probably going to have like a five hour show mm. or a four hour show. They, you know, it, it seems there it gets notorious for that. What happens is so many guys are getting in there and trying to buy into a match, mm. and then you got seventeen or eighteen matches on the card, and everybody's trying to you know do this, do that, and everything else short. But by the time it's all said and done, the show's ended up being four, four and a half hours long. The people are tired after two. Yeah. They're wanting to move around after two and a half. Mm. And they're walking out at about three. Yeah. And that's what happens. You know, and I hate to see it because the guys that are supposed to be featured, um, there's nobody there when they get in the in the ring to do their things because they've had to sit there and go through every Joe Blow there is, mm-hmm. you know, to get to that point. Me and Cahagas, <laughs> uh, I think it was the second year I was there. Okay, I, I went and I got in the ring for the battle royal, and he gave me my respect, and he sat there, and we, we both stood at each other. It was a way to chew up a minute, you know? <laughs> and I didn't have to blow up. But, you know, I got in the ring slowly and everything, and then the next guy to come in, it was a, a match, kind of like a Royal Rumble. Yeah. So the next guy come out there, and he did, when he jumped in the ring, he did some Hong Kong fluey karate stuff. And we did, me and Kagus looked at each other. We both snatched him by the back of the head and tossed him. And then we worked together. And and what we did was everybody that we didn't think uh, deserved or needed to be in the ring, yeah, they got thrown out. You know, go ahead and, 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 and let it go now. You know, because I, I don't want somebody in there that, that that's not properly trained, doesn't know what they're doing. You're in a ring with 20 guys and stuff like that. You're falling down. You're taking bumps or any, or something, trying to do something and be uh, be King Kong or, or however, and you crash somebody's knee in or yeah. anything like that can happen. You begin that man's career, you know. I see so many stupid things. I, I, I just, you know? you know, the fact that, you know, I, I don't want to uh, presume on your age, you know, but like you have wrestled for... No, a, I'm 54 years old. Okay. I'm 54. And you, you're wrestling, you know, for the a, uh, the APWL show, uh, which is coming on uh, May the 5th. Uh, details will be below the show. Uh, but the fact that you're still able to do this at 54, and okay, I'm sure you have hurting joints and everything, but you never did... Stupid things, you know what I mean? Like, you weren't taking... Oh, yeah, you should see my bumps. You know, look at my highlight reel. I'm on everybody's highlight reel. My <laughs> bumps, it's the bumps I took and everything. But you, t- but you, you t- got to t- remember, man, I was paralyzed twice. Yeah. I was paralyzed in 91 for nine months. Then I got uh, re-injured when the earth earthquake hit Northridge, California, uh, L.A. Oh, really? You were there for that? I was busting doors, gas up. Wow. Yeah, I was there for that. Doctor, this doctor had been working on me when, I, when WCW let me go because the surgery was going to cost $27,000 and uh, Nicola had, and I had split. She had left and I didn't have anything. I got my, instead of uh, getting anything of, okay, we're going to try to be with you and stand behind you. No, I got my walking papers. I got fired from the company. Good grief. Like with, the, with the, money, fired, yeah. the, the money that WCW... Huh? That when you hear about the stories about WCW giving people like hundred grand contracts and not using them, 
Whereas you right. were working hard and injured yourself, and they let you go while injured. That's that's terrible. Like, right. Well, so so they are the the two people that signed my 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 papers of dismissal were my father and Magnum T.A. Now, Magnum, when he was in the car wreck, I was taking money out of my check every week. You know, all the boys were. Yeah. So that they could, you know, they could make it. They'd be able to make it, you know. And uh, we all were. And, uh, you know, but anyway, it was just kind of like when I got hurt and everything, instead of offering me the same thing, anything, you know. But anyway, hey, I walked my way. But yeah. um, I was paralyzed twice. I've, I've been broke up, hurt up so many different times. Um, I've, I've broken, I mean, separated shoulders. Uh, I've got a fractured sternum. Uh, gosh, I've had my left arm broke, my right wrist uh, fractured, my right ankle fractured. But I'm one of those, okay, what, 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 oh gosh, just fills my heart with pride. Is I can say I'm one of those Terry Funk tape up and go, <laughs> tape up and go guys. Yeah, you know I walked into the match when I was young. I was walked into the matches with Nicola and I walked into the matches, and Terry Funk was laid out on a table back in the back in Greensboro. So what's wrong, Terry? Goes, oh Sam, my hip is fractured. You know, and he laid on that table all the way till it was time to go to the ring. And wow. then he got up and he went out and he went out there and he went out and did 45 minutes with Flair. Yeah, Funk Funk is something else. Like I'm watching you know, so much of the uh, Funk Lola Memphis stuff at the moment with the empty arena match mm-hmm. and everything. And Funk is the best legit crazy man I think there's ever been. In oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I worked with Terry. I only worked with Terry one match a long, long time ago. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, if he wanted to do something, I would go out there and put him over right in the middle. But <laughs> 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 he's spinning tall me or whatever. Now, the, a couple of years ago at the CACs, I went to go get a soda or no, a cup of coffee. And he goes, Sam, I've got something right here. You need to put your lips around. It's the best. And I said, I saw him pulling out the mason jar. He had some moonshine, you know, some homemade liquor uh-huh. and blue, blueberry liquor. And he goes, and I said, Terry, I said, I'm, I'm really sorry. I said, but I haven't drank in seven years. I gave drinking up. And he goes, and Sam, that's a good thing. I remember you used to drink a lot. Yeah. <laughs> he said, that just means there's more for me. And I was like, Terry, knock it out. Yeah. yeah. This is an but amazing- I love that. Yeah, that guy's the greatest. Yeah, you know, is- I was fortunate enough to be on the road. And I was fortunate enough to be around him when I was growing up and stuff like that. So. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, t- Terry Funk, there's an amazing story that Jim Cornette tells. When J- uh, Terry Funk was in Smoky Mountain in 94, he did his first moonsault in 1994 in Smoky Mountain. Yeah. And he must have been like mid-40s at the time. And Jim Cornette was like, what the hell did you do? And he's like, I don't know, Jimmy, but I think I'm going to do it again. <laughs> yeah, I think he was like 48 when he did it, 46, 48, something like that. But. Because uh, he, he did it in Greensboro not long after that. Oh, wow. See, but, uh, but yes, you've had a lot of injuries, but you've never did a 450 splash to the concrete floor on a bed of nails. You know what I mean? You didn't do anything yeah, just I'm not, absolutely I'm not ridiculous. Do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I got to tell you another one. Okay. One night I was sitting up there, and I think I just wrestled Boss Man. Mm-hmm. And I hit him with a drop kick off the top. Yeah, I used to do that a lot. Mm-hmm. And then I decided one night I I drop kicked him off the top, 
And I just while I was laying there, I, was, I just decided that hurts. I'm not going to do that no more. <laughs> <laughs> so I took that out of my repertoire, uh-huh. you know. So yeah, it's smart, um, and I'm sure I did years to your career as well, you know. Yeah, it probably because no, but the thing but, is, you know, I I shouldn't, I you know, it's kind of like I I shouldn't be walking now, but it, it's like you know, um, I got a powerful force in my life, and and that's my my Lord and Savior, and that's God up above me, and He wakes me up every day, He gives me every day, you know, I should have, I every day past, uh, oh gosh, this January seventeenth in uh, in two thousand and ten was a horrible day for me. Actually, well, it was a horrible day. Yeah. Uh, and I, I was going to end it all. You know, and I took my bed sheet and I, I slid it up and I braided it together and I made, uh, I ran it through the bars in the prison on Murderer's Row and I made the two, two knots. Wow. You know, and I tie knots for offshore, you know, and you got to be in a dark, deep, yeah. hurting place in your heart to make this decision, you know. I mean, I wasn't playing, and I put the nooses over my neck, and I said, God, you know, you're the only one that can stop this now. And I was hurting real bad, and I wasn't going to spend the rest of my life in a prison like that. No. The thing is, Um, because I I don't know too much about what happened, and if you don't want to go into it, we'll not... not, No, I don't mind at all, because if I can help people, I want to. Did you really think that you were going to be in prison forever at that point? Oh. Yes, I had gotten. I had been told they threw. I went to to the court to pay an improper lane change. They threw that out and hit me with a fourth offense DWI what, right. or DUI. Yeah, I told the district attorney. I said I've never had a third offense, and he said, and he told me, he said, if I have to redo the paperwork, then he was going to hit me with the habitual offender act. You know that three times and yeah. you're gone. And he said, Henny, you'll spend the rest of my life. I'll spend the rest of my life in prison. And where they had me was uh, Murderer's Row. They had me on maximum security disciplinary because I was a security threat. Mm-hmm. So you got to think the worst of the worst of the worst human beings here. I'm in there with them. Yeah. Did, did you feel yeah. that the judge? Kind um, so of, did you feel that the judge kind of used you huh? as a as as an example for everyone else, sort of thing? Um, no, 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 no. The the judge actually the judge actually wanted me to stay in Senecor. Mm-hmm. It was the district attorney okay. that was shoving it down, uh, shoving it down his throat. And my lawyer, check this out. My lawyer, even after I got sentenced, told me told the district attorney while because he didn't know I hadn't been removed from the courtroom yet. Mm-hmm. He said, "I just gave you ten years." Wow. I mean, my my lawyer sold me down the river so he could make somebody else a better deal. Uh, and did he, um, was he aware of your past as a, as a star as well? And did he want to kind of maybe make a name for himself out of that as well? Or I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking I, it, it could be, I, I just think, you know, I don't know. There's so many factors that it could be. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think, uh, I gotta be honest. If I hadn't been in prison, I'd be dead now. Mm-hmm. So prison was not, I mean, even though that hard part, yeah, it was bad. But those nooses broke when I jumped. And every day has been a blessing since. Yeah. Okay. And I value, I mean, um, I don't know. Well, yeah, I do. I guess I value the education I got in prison. 
Uh, uh, oh, gosh, because I see things a whole lot differently now. But uh, if I hadn't been locked up, if I'd have been out on my own when I lost my mom and then I lost my dad five and a half months later, mm. I would have drank myself to death. Wow. Because I wouldn't have had the proper tools or the knowledge. Yeah. You know, so, uh, it wasn't until I went through the program, uh, a nine month long uh, rehab program through prison, that I learned so much about addiction, about yourself, about, uh, about uh, oh gosh. Uh, I've got one deal. It's uh, it's about the twenty seven different twenty seven different character traits mm-hmm. of an addict, you know. And then and you can sit there now. You know, all addicts don't have every one. Yeah. But you can see seven or eight, six, you know, uh, seven or eight of these different different uh, character traits in everybody. Were you kind you of know? were you kind of doubtful at the time that any of them applied to you? Did you? Like no, to- I knew they all applied to me okay. because I knew I was. I knew I was. An, uh, I'd already given up, mm-hmm. and when I gave, when I had given up, I mean, I had been through ten different rehabs. Three times I had over a year sober, but you know, you get overwhelmed and and life hits you, you know. Yeah. And when life hits you like that, boy, you know, if you're in a snowball fight, you can take one snowball to the face and. Then you can take two, boom, boom, and then you probably could take three, boom, boom, boom. But then you start getting hit with six or seven and stuff like that, and then you get knocked down and you start getting overwhelmed. So what do you do? You run for a crutch. At that point um, in in prison, and when you started to when you started to change, were you writing poetry then? Because obviously, because you have a beautiful song um, called Salvation, which is on YouTube and is available for sale as well, and we'll we'll go into yeah. all of that. Were you? Did you always um, express yourself in like as a poet or as a songwriter, or or did that? Well, come later? Uh, when when I was in when I was in school and everything, and in high school and stuff. Oh, I I, I loved Alabama, the, the music group Alabama, and yeah. I like. Hank Williams Jr. and Willie Nelson and all these guys. And I sang the songs and everything. And, and you know, <clears throat> I didn't think I was half bad. Hey, and you, then, you've uh, got a good oh voice, gosh, man. There like, was a... Uh, huh? You've got a damn good voice. Like, I was well, very impressed. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Um, but I, 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 uh, I, I, my girlfriend at the time, I had written a song for uh-huh. and called Bright Eyes. I don't remember the words or anything, but uh, she 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 still got that song. I, I've heard her her mom has told me. Uh-huh. Her mom's like seventy now, so you know. <laughs> but yeah, she says she still got it. She and still listens to it. Well, I, I wrote that a long time ago. Well, then I started wrestling and I followed that dream because that's what I wanted to be. Yeah. And then uh, while I was on the road, well, I, I got had the opportunity to do "Waking Up Alone" on Vince's. Uh, on the Pile Driver album, I recorded it, but Hillbilly Jim had a deal with CBS Records, so they didn't want him taking that, so they let Hillbilly Jim record "Waking Up Alone" for the album. Wow, I did not I didn't know, know that. Know. What? That's yeah. I, okay. I, I kind of got you know that you know that was the first time we're messing you around. Yes, <laughs> you know. Oh, dolls! Yes, dolls! Oh, okay, there's a you know, you know. Oh, they're action figures. I'm sorry. So, anyway. yeah, yeah, I do. I do collect. I, I do collect them. So they are action figures. They're not dolls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always call them dolls just to tick people off. No, look, hey, look. My friend does that. Look, yeah. 
Yeah, look at the Bill Eady doll. It's an action figure. You know, that's when you get told by Bill Eady it's an action figure. You know, it's an action figure then. So <laughs> anyway, how, how far how far along the line did the Sam Houston uh, action figure get? Was it? I'm guessing. Fully, I don't know. You, I, uh, okay. I, they made action figures of my likeness and everything, but they didn't put my name on them. Yeah, but it's got my hair and my mullet, my <laughs> boots. You know, my stuff. Uh, but oh, but it's not me. <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> anyway but uh you know um anyway uh oh where were we at before i got off the on the action figure <laughs> um we were you'd ask a music. question and i started squirreling off we were talking music oh music that's right okay so hibbley jim did uh the waking up alone thing and then i didn't get a chance to so um, I was in the Carolinas, and I was, you know, pr- I was very strong in the Carolinas as far as uh, my fan base and everything. Yeah, because I've I'd, I'd been with Crockett down there for years, and I mean, I was on a Hooters highlight reel. I'm sitting here wondering why everybody in Hooters is <laughs> staring at me watching the sandwich while I'm eating the sandwich, uh-huh. and all of a sudden they say, "Oh, you're uh, the TV was above my head. I'm on TV." You know, it's like, <laughs> oh wow, I didn't even know. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, but anyway, about that time I got to go, but that was about the time I got to drive the skull, uh, the skull, oh gosh, race car, the NASCAR around the track in Charlotte too, uh, one time. Took it around once. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bring it in now. <laughs> Cause I was, oh, anyway. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the, so with the music, that was the first thing. Well, I put a, a band together. I met a fella up in Concord, North Carolina. He just passed. His name was Willie Clay. Uh, he was a bass player, and he, he played a couple of other things. Well, uh, he turned me on to the best guitar player I've probably ever seen, a guy by the name of Johnny Whittington. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, Virgil McClellan, and we became Sam Houston and the Young Guns, from you know, because the movie was popular. Young Guns uh, 2 had just come out. Yeah. Or something around there. Uh, so we were we were we were doing shows in the Carolinas, and I was writing my own music. I'd written a song for Nicola called "Poetry in Motion." And I had gone, I uh, worked on my songs for for a while, and, uh, and finally in the nineties, in the mid nineties, I went. I was able to get in a recording studio and record them, and I had them. But at the time, I was such a drunk, I couldn't do anything with them. Hmm. You know, and uh, so I, uh, I had the tapes and then uh, I guess, you know, life, life picks you up and carries you off. And that's what it did to me. I lost me and my addiction uh, and, and any move, any moving, moving forward is not going to happen when there's an alcohol bottle right next to me. Yeah. I'm just going to sit right here and drink, you know, mm-hmm. and that's what it was. Uh, and then I lost the master tapes in Katrina. So now all hope is lost. But the lady, uh, Chris Seitz, a friend of mine from St. Louis, I had met years ago uh, uh, in Nashville. Her, her, uh, she had lost a loved one on a Christmas uh, at a Christmas party. He was uh, her husband was was shot by a family member in, in front of everybody at a Christmas party. Wow! And uh, and, and I helped her deal deal with. Uh, I guess the trauma, the loss and everything. Uh, so we, but at that time I got her interested in writing music too. And that was what she used to, I guess, uh, Oh, 
you know, kind of like help counsel or kind of help herself. Yeah, I get She that. would write music. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we were close that way. We saw each other a couple of times. You know, I was all over the country and, and stuff. So uh, she had one of my cassette tapes. And we had lost contact after Katrina, Hurricane Katrina and, and everything. And didn't know how to get reach any, couldn't reach any each other, this or that. And finally, she found me in uh, August. Hmm. So we started talking. And when I started helping this lady, uh, Teresa Massey, she had, she's an amputee or she, uh, when I, when I, when I oh, rescued her for wrestle at WrestleMania, she had one leg at the time. Now she's a double amputee. I saw her Thanksgiving day, but last November and I took her to her house. And when I took her to her house, she had no dra- no ramp. She lives alone. Her house is nine feet off the ground. Um, and she's got no, no ramp. Somebody's got to be there to help help get her down so yeah uh, i got together with chris and started the sam houston god's got a hold on me page and we did a whole lot you know yeah you've you've done some, you've done some amazing things with it and i was um you know and uh, Teresa from speaking to her as well she considering everything that she's been through she has such a positive attitude to everything um and she's been a pleasure to uh, talk to as well. And I'm really glad that she's been able to get everything that she needs, um, considering everything that she's been through as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, and Chris is a super lady, you know, and and she and she's real good about staying on top, you know, calling me because I forget, man, I've been hitting the head with a lot of chairs throughout <laughs> my career. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of them. So I forget, and I, you know, and like, and I'll squirrel off and this way or that way. Oh, you got to do this tomorrow, or you got to do. Okay, yeah, the boom. But she's been really helping me out with the schedule. So uh, we're, I'm really looking forward. I, I just got uh, the the little thumb drives mm-hmm. from Florida where I filmed where I filmed uh, the Miracle in Motion, which is uh, you know, uh, well, I've been paralyzed twice. My father had uh, muscular dystrophy, a form of muscular dystrophy. It's a workout program. Yeah. And um, the lady, when 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 I moved to Florida uh, for to go over there for Dave Nelson, uh, and then got like left high and dry. I moved in with a lady, and she was disabled. She had broken back or broken spinal column. Her name was Sh- or is Sharif Perez. You know, she works out now every day wow. and she can and she can put braces on and walk That's that maybe that lady may never walk hmm. without the braces again but you know what she, she could when i when i first got there she wasn't doing that it did it, you know? it does seem it is one of those things that like you don't realize what resolve and strength that you have until you really do hit rock bottom you know in terms of oh. yeah and my brother, let me tell you something. I was in rock bottom on Florida. I was on, I was on my face mm-hmm. in the living room, praying and looking for a way to stay comfortable down there because I knew that I was not good enough for my maker. You know, we don't we don't deserve to be in His glory. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I, I'm coming to you from a very spiritual level, and then and then in deep in prayer, He told me to rise. You know, and when he told me to rise, you know, I'm not going to ever be second best. Yeah, I'm going to give. I'm, I, I'm, 
my Lord gives this to me every day. And I'm going to go out there and share it with everybody I can. If, you know, if I can motivate you, I want to motivate you. If I can help you, then I can help you. If you've got a battle on your hands and you can't get through it, well, hang on. I'll, I'll catch up to you and help pick you up and we'll go together. That's you know? Yeah. And, and it, it, it certainly because, you know, um, my connection to you has been through uh, Facebook, but just through social media, you can see everything that you've done and what a good, uh, guy you are and you know considering everything that you've been through as well that you not only have helped yourself but it's kind of you ha you've had to help yourself to be able to help others sort of thing well yeah you know I, I, okay here's the way I'm not gonna stand there and tell you what to do yeah I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. I, now, if you see what's going on in mine, and if you ask, I'll be glad to help show you. I'll be glad to direct you. I'll be glad, you know, but I, I lead by example. Yeah. You know, it, it, you know, uh, it, it, if you like what I'm doing, join in. That's you know, it. if you don't, <laughs> get out of my way because I'll <laughs> knock you over. <laughs> well, do you feel that you have... Because um, it, it certainly seems this way that you have never been involved in as many projects at the same time, sort of thing. In some ways, that you've never been busier, but that has that is like such a good thing to keep you motivated and keep you going. Because you know you're releasing music videos, um, you know you're starting your own company, you're still wrestling as well, and you're doing all these projects. So you know, it, even though you are a little older. That you know, life has never been busy and busier, and you just never been more active doing really good things. Like that. Well, was... you know, okay, it, okay. If I was still drinking, yeah. Oh yeah, none of this would be happening. Yeah. You know, but these are dreams I have. You know, and it's kind of like, uh, I, you know, I, I, I'd get in the ring every once in a while. Uh, I'd get in the ring down at WXW for Alpha. You know, uh, the Rock's uncle has. He's got a, a school in. Uh, Mineola. Yeah. So when I got down to Florida, I started going over to a school. And one of the things I wanted these guys to, to understand is they have an opportunity today, right now, to put their boots on and get in the ring and reach for their dreams. Yeah. Okay. You're getting this opportunity to get in this ring and be everything you ever wanted to be. If it really means that much, if there's really that desire in your heart, then you're going to go through, you'll go through a bed of nails. You'll do whatever you've got to do to get there. You'll crawl through broken glass. You know, it's those people that, that, that want to sit back and sit back and just wait it out or, yeah. and let something happen and be given to them. Um, well, you gotta, you, if it's your dream, yeah. If you don't pursue it, if you if you don't follow it when you don't make it, who can you blame? No one. Yeah. You know, um, I had a buddy of mine. Oh, gosh. Uh, he was a 17-year-old kid uh, when I first met him. Uh, he was going to a, a training school with uh, another fella down in uh, uh, Alexandria, Louisiana. So <clears throat> he was training with him. Well, I got in the ring and I worked out with him a few times. Well, the guy had potential. Kid had potential, you know. So when the time was right and I thought he had kept himself in shape, I got him a tryout for Vince, yeah. you know. And uh, so we go to Baton Rouge uh, and he's got his tryout and everything. And 
Uh, I don't know if he'd taken pills or what he had done before he got out there, but he definitely was not on his A game. Does you know? that, and then, does, and then, uh, we're in the dressing room after yeah. and I was talking and John Laurinaitis comes through mm. and there was a fellow that, uh, had also had a tryout that I had worked with, uh, the month before. And he goes up to John and he says, look, he goes, he goes, I'm sorry about my, my, my match out there, this, that, and the other. And uh, he's making excuses. Uh, he said, I'm sorry about my match. Uh, he said, but you can ask anybody. I worked with Sam last month, and we had the best match on the card, and John Laurinaitis stopped him. Yeah. This was in 2007 in Baton Rouge at the River Center. And he said, anyone, he said, and I mean anyone that works with Sam Houston is going to have the best match on the card that night. Wow. See, it didn't you know, that, that made me feel good, you know, <laughs> and then I got to turn around to my buddy and and because, and, you know, you know, I, I said, hey, you know, you really made me, you know, because it did. You know, he wasn't on his eighth game. I'd done everything I could. It was his dream to be a to, to be a wrestler. Now he's never accomplished any of that. Now he's bitter against the business. It wasn't the business's fault. Yeah, it was his fault for not for not going after his dreams. I think that, you know, because I was going to ask whether him uh, being bad in the ring would have unintentionally made you look bad as someone who recommended him. But obviously it wasn't that way. And uh, they told me. No, because uh, uh, the, the very next time I, I went, I took him. Uh, I found this one fellow and he was seven foot tall. And I took him down there and uh, he signed on. They signed him to a contract. Mm-hmm. Hey, he weighed 460 pounds. But when they get him into the training center, you know, they want to see if you're going to do, you know, follow their rules. Yeah. You know, they're going to test their limits. It's pushing the envelope. So this guy knew what he was. He knew he was seven foot tall. He knew he was agile. He knew he was athletic. You know, he knew he could move and he knew he was money in the bank. Yeah. You know, uh, I saw that when him and Big Show were standing there looking at each other eye to eye when Vince walked up. Uh you know, and they signed they signed my buddy to a deal, and he stuck with stuck with it a few weeks. But then they came and told him they wanted him to lose thirty pounds and trying to put him through some uh, rough regimen that would have probably killed. You know, a guy that big, um, you got to take care of your joints and stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you absolutely. know they 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 don't need to they don't need to train the same way a, a smaller guy would. You know, you've got to get stretched. You've got to get. You, you, you gotta get uh, movement in those muscles. You can't like just do short squatty things. Yeah, you know you draw all up. But it, it seems that like one thing that wrestlers have now that your know, your generation may not have had was the benefit of your know, your generation's experience because I I'd imagine that. Uh, the generation before you weren't quite as open about things. Um, but it, your generation as well, uh, in the 70s and 80s, with the, the excess of the drugs and everything as well, you have so many more life lessons that you can give to the current generation. And do, it, when, do you feel that sometimes they don't listen because they... Oh, yeah, no, they yeah. don't. Okay. Oh, no, they don't. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, oh, gosh, I you know... I've been there. Yeah, I've done it all. I, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've wrestled at the world's biggest party. I opened up for the Who, Pete Townsend, and the Who twice. I've almost been eaten by cannibals twice. <laughs> yeah. I've done it all. I've climbed mountains. I've swam in uh, five different oceans. 
you know, so I've been everywhere, done just about everything, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and when I try to go to, oh, well, they've done this or they've done that. Well, you haven't done much. And yeah. if you're not going to listen, you're not going to be able to get helped. Um, now, back in the older generation, yeah, they were very kayfabe. They were very hush hush. You didn't, you know, you didn't share your lives like what you do nowadays. Yeah. You know, everybody was a family man back then or, you know, had their deal and, you know, they show up to the matches, do their job and leave. Nowadays, it's, you know, uh, gosh, everybody's all roped in together because of travel and everything. Uh, but, uh, oh, gosh, but they kayfabed each other back then. Now we just we're, we're letting everything fly. This generation of guys now. And that's why I want to be able to I'll talk about anything with anybody. Mm. Because they can't get help unless they know, you know, and you're not going to get it. That's what my preacher come to me the other day. I, I'd let him look. He, he's got a he's got a degree in uh, substance abuse, addictions and stuff, but he's never had an addiction. Oh, really? You know, wow. He's never been addicted but to substance it. like that. Yeah. So I turned over some of my workbooks hmm. that were that, that helped me and they had a lot of personal things in it. And he said, are you sure? He said, this is your personal stuff. And I said, I can't help the next guy unless he understands where I've been. Yeah. Well, you I know, mean, so go for it. Sorry. Everywhere I've been. Yeah. Everywhere I've been is kind of an open book. Well, I, I really, you know, and I don't have anything to hide. You know, it's not like I got a great big suitcase full of money. I'm trying to keep away from everybody or nothing. <laughs> Well, that's if anybody the, does find if anybody if anybody uh, does find that suitcase, please return it because <laughs> I lost it in the luggage a while back. Yeah, I was going to say that's what you, that's what you're telling everyone, but you know, the, you know, it's kayfabe. You you really got yeah millions just stashed away. You know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which I know. I quit. I, I started working on the second million. They said they said that first million is too hard to get. So uh-huh. I gave up on that a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, <you don't> <laughs> I'm working on the second one now. <laughs> um, well, I, I really want to thank you for, you know, cause you don't know me, you know, and you had enough trust in me to, you know, let me interview you. And hopefully I, you know, I, I try not to dig too deeply into sort of personal lives. My brother, you, and, you know, let me, let me, let me go ahead and tell you something. Okay. Uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed doing this interview with you. Uh, and I mean that. Thank you. Any time that you would like to discuss anything. And I'm t- telling you right now, you can take the gloves off. You can ask me about anything. You, uh, I was never, now there are some things that I can't uh, uh, answer on. Like, uh, you know, both my brother and my father have come out. And, I mean, my brother and my my sister have come out and said that they were, um, you know, uh, mistreated and this that, and the other. I wasn't molested. I wasn't mistreated like that. Yeah. I mean, I was used as, for as bait. Mm-hmm. Really, I didn't find out from the, that till I was about twenty eight years old. And Ron Bass told me in the dressing room, he said, you just didn't know. I know both my brother and my sister had issues with my father. And then the, and the time I was in the program in prison, I had to go, go and have a lot of counseling about that as well. Not that I was ever sexually molested or, or physically. Or, I mean, I got I got knocked around some, but I wasn't, you know, abused. Yeah. I just, you know. Uh, just got kind of up, and you had to get taken down a peg, probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, 
how, how, but, but things like that, things like that, I can't answer for other people. I can answer for myself and I'm more than willing to do that, to help other people. You can take the gloves off. You can ask me anything you want to, and I'll give you an honest answer. How's that? That sounds amazing. I, I really, um, I'm really appreciative because, you know, this, this podcast is something that I've been doing for two years now. And I interview, I've been lucky enough to interview, uh, you know, people in all fields of entertainment as well. And I'm always honored that someone would want to spend some time to be able to, you know, chat with me. And, um, and I am a, I am a fan and, you know, it's, it's just an honor to be able to make contact really, well, cool. especially being from well, the UK this... as well. Cause we're thousands of miles away and, you know, well, you ought to get me out there for a concert. Why don't you play my song here in a minute? Yes. I will. Let everybody hear it. And let everybody hear it, and then maybe some promoter that wants to make some money off a country music guy and a professional wrestler, although I am a handful. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can be a country you know? music guy and not be a handful, to be fair. I've, I've got friends who are huge in the country, and they're some of the wildest people I've ever met. So, Oh, yeah. Well, i got to <laughs> tell you, you remember Johnny Lee? You know, he sang uh, Looking for Love in the Urban Cowboy movie. Ah, yeah. My, my okay, friend- this was way back in the early 80s. Anyway, he was playing in Minnesota, and we were all at the concert, uh, a bunch of wrestlers, uh, Kurt Henning, this one, that one, the other one. And I guess his band and him, I, they started, oh, gosh, you know, saying they were partying with wrestlers, and would they drink us under the table? And, oh, gosh, that's when you start hearing pill bottles start shaking. And I heard that Johnny Lee fell asleep during the second song he was singing. <laughs> on stage and they had to refund everybody's money. Oh, so, <laughs> so we're at Hanford. That's, that's impressive. I, I would hope he's at least sitting down while he's performing. He didn't just fall asleep, stood up. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I've seen Greg Valentine fall asleep standing in the corner, uh, in uh, Seattle, uh, him and honky tonk, man, they were wrestling the British bulldogs. Oh. And, uh, okay. So I was billed as, you know, uh, Oh gosh, I forgot. Uh, but in the dressing room, because uh, at the time, Honky Tonk Man looked like Elvis and Greg Valentine looked like Roy Orbison. Yeah. <laughs> so back their their nickname in the dressing room was the Dead Rock and Roll Express. <laughs> so so one night, one night when we got, it was a double show or something. Uh, and when we got to Seattle for the second event for that day, somebody had dumped a, a box of Halcyons sleeping pills in the coffee. Oh. And Greg Valentine was drinking coffee, trying to stay awake. <laughs> when he got out in the ring, Honky Tonk was in the ring, getting bumped all over the place, and Greg fell asleep standing in the corner. <laughs> in, in Seattle as well. That's his hometown. So you know, there's no bad place to. Yeah. Oh. 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 I, hey, you like check this one out. You'll love this one. Okay, I okay. may have told you this. Ultimate Warrior and I were, were, were pretty tight. Yeah. Uh, we traveled together for two years before they let, uh, they let Jim on TV. Yeah. They would film him, you know, but they only to go back to the office and look and see how he was progressing. Yeah. See, I was helping him, him out with his ring work and he was helping me out in the gym. Mm. So anyway, <laughs> one night in El Paso, you know, I'd been running my mouth, I guess, or something, and he'd come back. I'd wrestled 20 minutes with Danny Davis and I'd come back from the ring, and they were having the bunkhouse battle rolls. Right. And I didn't have time. I, I had to just turn back around and go back out to the ring. So I'd get to the dressing room. I'd grab me a drink of water. But when I do, hell wigs over me, Ultimate Warrior, and he's hosing me down with baby oil. And I don't like baby oil. Uh, I said, what are you doing? 
And he said, Sam, they're going to get you. He goes, all of them been talking about that. He goes, they're, they're going to get you. There's money on your head to see who, who can get you, you know? So I'm thinking, oh, okay, well, now I'm all oiled up. So I go out to the ring, and I tell you what, it was a grease pig in a rodeo. They were <laughs> Every time somebody snatched me, I was, I was snaking out. And, boy, when I got back in the dressing room, I laughed in everybody's face. <laughs> all them big boys. And I told them, too. <laughs> well, anyway, two nights later in Wichita Falls, uh-huh. same thing. And uh, I, I come back from the ring. And we've got to turn back around and go for out for the, the deal. Well, Ultimate Warrior, again, he's got the baby oil and he's hosing me down. Well, Mr. Fuji was sitting back in the back and saw who was doing what and helping me out against all his other guys. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so we're in the ring and all them guys come after me again. I'm, I'm shooting all over the place, you know, you know, just slipping around them, getting away from them and stuff and laughing the whole time. Mr. Fuji got up on his knees behind Hellwig, behind Ultimate Warrior on the apron, and tied those strings to his arms uh, to the top rope. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't outrig Fuji, a, I think, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was about 10 minutes after the match was over, but well, it was when the ring crew started tearing down the ring is when they finally untied him. <laughs> <laughs> You know, all he could do is sit there and, you know, run his arms back and forth you know, and shake the top rope. <laughs> oh, amazing. <laughs> yeah. So I've got all kind of fun with man. But anytime, anytime you want to call, we can talk about funny stories because I, you know, we can talk about ribs I've pulled. We can talk about whatever you want to do, my brother. That sounds great. I've, I do have a couple of, you know, because, again, um, growing up, we specifically got uh, WWF in the UK. And um, one of my, the first time I ever saw you was the WrestleMania 4 Battle Royal. Um, mm-hmm. And... I, I'm I'm guessing I mean it it could be a coincidence, but obviously you go from what you've told me, you go way back with the Samoans and Seeker eliminated you from that battle royal. Was that would that have been a thing that was discussed that you wanted Seeker to eliminate you or Oh I th- I think I went up to, to him because I think I took like a backdrop or some kind of big flying thing over the top and cut a flip in the air and all kind of stuff. I, I don't remember. Uh, well, that was going to say, with those events, because you were on, you know, you were at the Royal Rumble, you were at WrestleMania, you were at Survivor Series, you won big events, like Saturday Night's Main Event, etc. Did they feel bigger than usual, or did, were they just another night at the office sort of thing? Well, I mean, you, you knew it was pay-per-view, you knew it was bigger because, uh, you know, and, and you had the butterflies in your stomach and everything. But once you first got out there and once that initial that initial uh, pop is over with and everything, yeah. and the bell rings and you can finally sit there, yeah, you still are a little bit more apprehensive and you're still a little bit more gung-ho. But, you know, a good guy can calm himself down. Mm-hmm. Um, we can- when you were, um, this is a question from uh, from a listener, uh, Grant. Um, he asks about uh, Survivor Series '88, where you teamed up with the Warrior, uh, Owen Hart, uh, Scott Casey, um, and uh, Beefcake. I think um, when you said that, when you say this, let me tell you this. Okay, when I walked in from that match, I remember the match. Yeah, I walked in from that match. Vince McMahon met me right there at the gorilla position and shook my hand, and he said, he said. Nobody else knows this. He said, but you did. He said, you got everybody over out there. I was the only one that sold anything. If you, if you'll watch that match, <laughs> yeah. I got every, I got everybody over. I got the match over. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the um, it, it's kind of weird as well. You may not know this, but because uh, it was the first match of the night. Uh, but when the the VHS came out, I think it was moved to like maybe the second or third match. I don't know why. It was just because of maybe it made it, the show flow better or something like that. But you were in the ring with probably you were in the ring with like all these top names. Did you feel that? At that point, because you had been there for a while at that point, did you feel that the push was coming or did you feel that the, the position that you were in, you weren't really going to break through that glass ceiling kind of thing? Well, uh, okay. I, you know, you always hope for the best. Yeah. And you always, you know, you're always praying for, you know, to be seen or this, that, or the other. But when you get to right down to it, you know, the brass tacks of it is, you know, I was there to do a job and I did my job the best of my ability. Yeah. I put, you know, and, and, and here's, okay. Uh, this is how it was explained to me when, when I first broke into business and Johnny Weaver was the one that did it. You know, he said, if, if, uh, if I go out there and you go out there and we both go out there and we just try to get ourselves o- over, he said, we're both going to bust our ass and we're both going to fall on our ass yeah. and, and nothing's going to happen. Nobody's going to remember the match. Yeah. He said, if we both go out there to just get me over, he said, I'll get over. He said, if we both go out there to get just you over, you'll get over. Hmm. He said, but if we go out there and get the match over, the match gets over, we both get over. Win, lose, or draw, we both get over Did you in the people's eyes. Did you feel, because I I didn't know that you were there uh, for so long until 91. Um, uh-huh. because like, un- like for whatever reason you, by that time you weren't on TV too much. Um, was it just more about having fun in front of the arena, in front of the crowd? Well, what point? it was, what, okay. If they beat, okay. They, they, they hadn't started, you know, uh, there wasn't a clear, I, I mean, I guess there was a clear, uh, winner, loser, blah, blah, blah. You know, oh, I can tell who's going to lose. Okay. Yeah. I, I tried to not to, you know, give, I, I, I tried to always go out there and give it my best and make it look like a competition. Yeah. Um, okay. I don't know if the office liked that or not. Uh, several times uh, guys were told not to sell, you know, but then several times they ended up having to anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Um, you know, a boss man was told not to go off his feet wrestling me. The boss man was, from my point of view, again, from watching him against, uh, like you or Coco Beware or whatever, he was very generous in terms of, yes. Yeah. And, and it made, well, if you go back, go back, uh, go back after we're done with this, go back and watch mine and boss man. Oh, just watch one of them. Yeah. I mean, I put a lot of effort, a lot of thought, you know into this into I'm, those you know i'm and, almost and, uh, certain it, that i saw you it was an la sports arena show um very early boss man against you i could be wrong but I, i'm sure i've seen a match with you and him and i'm hoping there is uh stuff on youtube still and WWE haven't taken it down um yeah well it's not on youtube it's on daily motion oh, okay okay you have to go to daily motion i think they still have two of the matches Okay, I will post the links and uh, Vince can sue me if he wants. Uh, but I've had one, so. <laughs> there you go. No, he don't. He don't need to sue over something you know that, that emulates <laughs> his business. Yes, that shines. You mm. know, and he needs to be proud of what his boys could do. Yeah. No, absolutely. You know? and he needs to give. He needs to give the. He needs to give some of the glory to where it needs to go to. Yeah, I agree with you that. Know? Did Did you feel that? Um, 
a lot of the heels from that time as well, because there was no merchandise for the heels, and they like quite rightly thought that um, you know it takes a heel to make the match as well. It takes two, um, so they felt right. that the royalties weren't evenly spread out to say the least no but like, but see the the royalties were so that was so messed up anyway by the time it's all said and done you're only getting point zero zero one percent of whatever you sell yeah so you got to sell 35 t-shirts to make a dollar okay you know and everything has to be licensed through vince mm. you know uh the the merchandising uh, oh gosh that's a whole nother ball of wax yeah i, I couldn't you know? begin to because vince can vince, vince can vince creates the merchandise and then because he owns the the companies that makes the merchandise he can charge himself whatever he wants to and then he has to charge himself that licensing fee yeah so if you want any of our stars it's you have to buy it through the licensing fee of the wwe and when you do it like that then that that steve austin or the rock or whoever has got that t-shirt out they're going to get point zero zero one or point this that or the other percent. Hmm. Did, you know? did um just a few more questions and I will let you go. But did um sure. Vince in particular, out of all the companies that you work for, did he try and put his own stamp on Sam Houston? Um, like uh, no, you, okay, no. Um, so he, he liked the dance, but I was already doing the dance. Yeah, who taught you uh, that? I, I was doing it. Huh? Who taught you that? Uh, David, another listener, wanted to know who taught you that uh, dance as well. Oh, I just learned it in a drunken stupor one night <laughs> at the Honky Talk. Uh-huh. It's great. You know, you had, had everybody out there doing the line dances and everything, you know, and they're all, they're all dancing together. You, you know, there's 80 people on the dance floor doing this dance. Well, I can't do that dance, but I can do this one, by God, and I can kick you out of the way when I do it. <laughs> <laughs> but here's here's something really neat. You know, I, I I did that Texas two step on TV one night in uh, in Iowa, I believe it was Iowa or Illinois. Yeah, uh, we were driving through Ron Simmons and myself. And we stopped to get beer at a Red Stallion uh, a bar because uh-huh. you couldn't buy beer. Uh, you, you had to go to a package store or buy it out of the, out of a bar. So we got bought it in a bar, and there were two tour buses there. Mm-hmm. And then this the, the this what appeared to be a woman. We found out it was. But what appeared to be a woman come up and asked me, and she goes, are you Sam Houston? Uh, and I said, yes. She said, my boss would like to meet you. I said, who's your boss? She said, Trisha Yearwood. Oh, I got to tell you, I ran right over there. I talked with Miss Yearwood. I talked to her for a little while. And yes, we did get up in two-step. <laughs> That's amazing. And Ron Simmons, Ron Simmons can uh, can verify that. Wow. Um, with... Um, your time in WWF because there were so many uh, unique characters, but there were also other cowboys there, like Ron Bass and uh, Scott Casey. Kind of was, kind of doing the cowboy thing. Was there ever a conflict of interest with the characters? Um, no, not not really. The the just one time I you know, uh, and, and I feel bad for even doing it now. But um, okay, I I worked really hard on trying to improve. I mean, uh, change the bulldog around to something that fit me, and it's a flying bulldog. Mm-hmm. And I think my bulldog is still way far better than any of the other guys doing it now. Yeah. You know, because I catch you like like you're jumping off a horse. Scott Casey did it one night on TV, and I asked him not to not to use my finish on TV. And I'm guessing that was fine. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was no no, no you know no problems with it or anything like that. It's like, hey, dude, that's you know that's my finish. Yeah. 
you know, it's kind of like Jake, you know, you'd want to go up to somebody and say, Hey man, you, this is my, that's my finish. You're using it as a high spot or you're using it as this <laughs> yeah. and the other. I beat people with that. Everyone you know? kicks out of the DVD you know, I, now. It's just, you, you're just trying to, just trying to look out for the moves. You know, like, uh, it, like nowadays a guy will take 35 suplexes mm. and still kick out. Yeah. You know? Um, but back in 1972, Dick Murdoch pick you up for a brain buster, drop you on your head, you know, and it's done. Yeah. And the brain buster, you know, people are wasting, they're wasting things. You know, when you, when you kick out of a PAL driver, you know, yeah, and everybody does, and you kick out of it three times in one match. I, I just, know? I think, you know, and we'll, I'll not go too much into it, but it almost seems like attention deficit disorder TV now, where you're not expected to remember what happened a week ago. That doesn't matter that you kicked out of five pile drivers or whatever. You know, <laughs> you know, it's, no, it's what no, matters. Well, for, you know. Okay, Vince McMahon, okay, oh gosh, and I hate to say it like this, but Vince McMahon, uh, I believe, uh, I believe they truly believe that they can um that they can uh, program people into whatever they want mm -hmm. you know now okay do you remember when the new day came out yeah oh man everybody hating them right now he's turned them into something kept them around for so long finally turned them into something that's like daniel bryant finally they found the yes thing yeah you know because before then he you know they couldn't figure out what to do with him they were stuck with him yeah and you know they had no charisma, no, you know, and then the, and then finally they just kept on and kept on and kept on. So Vince McMahon thinks, okay, after, after, well, now it's got to the point where after a couple of weeks, whatever we did a couple of weeks ago is dead. But it used to be, you know, a year later, but, it, and then it switched to like three months later, you know, take a relief and come back three months or six months later. Yeah. No, absolutely. Well, um, just uh, just a couple more questions. Like Jinder Mahal, Jinder Mahal. I mean, I, I read something on him the other day. I said, I said he never won a match until Vince McMahon or till the uh, till the WWE figured out how many people there were in India, and then the next thing you know, he turned around. And he's the champion. Yeah, and certainly not the first time that they've catered to an audience that they're trying to sort of get maybe a tv deal for or whatever and you know i understand it to a point but it just doesn't translate to like every audience and i guess you can't please everyone anyway but um it i don't know it, it, not not a lot means anything anymore put that way um no everything yeah, yeah. It's, it's back to that other thing. Oh, you got to remember it's pro wrestling. <laughs> you know, <laughs> don't give it any legitimacy. Mm. <laughs> you know, and see that's what's what that's what's different between me and all the other guys. You know, I know the business is a work, and I know this, that, and the other about it, and everything else. But still, the wrestling business to me is a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. The wrestling and, and everything that happens to me when I'm in the ring is real. Yeah. You know, it just depends on it depends on the degree of pain I'm in, maybe. Mm -hmm. But everything that happens to me in the ring is real. Um and 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 so every emotion that I'm that I'm feeding out to the people or to the fans, that's all me. That's all real. Yeah. No, and then what and what I get back from them, what I get back from them, here's the here's the beautiful part. What I get back from them is all real too. Yeah, oh, absolutely. That's I mean, the they're in that fight with me. They're in that fight with me. Yeah, it, it, it has to start with you as well. If you don't believe what you're selling, then no one else is going to believe it, sort of thing. 
Right. And, and I do. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and it's like I tell you, and I, and I can't wait to tell these people, the, the guys in Vegas again, mm. uh, I'm going to have a seminar there. I, I, I've heard. So I want to go out there and, 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 and educate and help these guys. Mm. Yeah. They don't know how they, they've never worked an opportunity. They've never had the opportunity to be on the road every day. Yeah. You know, um, their, their stuff is like, you know, every other weekend. Well, that, that, I mean, some guys get lucky and they're working every weekend. Yeah. It's the it's kind of the it's something that Bobby Heenan said as well, that until you've had to feed yourself from wrestling, you, you know, you've never really put 100% into it sort of thing because you've never really had to. Um, right. You know, and that's when you have to really come up with something either unique or something that, you know, you keep going until you find something that connects with an audience. And, um, you know, um, yeah, it was just something I remember Bobby Heenan saying that, you know, you're not really a pro until you've had to feed yourself from <laughs> until it. Until you depend on it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, in the wrestling business, I'm 54 years old, my man. The wrestling business was there when I was born. And I pray to God the wrestling business will still be there the day I die. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it will. And you will i think you belong in just about any hall of fame you know because you have the respect from all of your peers and you were incredibly popular with fans and it just you know i think that's what matters you know if before championships and stuff like that that's kind of superficial but you know the fact that you had the fans every night you know jumping yeah. and screaming I think, and, yeah I, I was in that one I, okay i was in that oh gosh that small percentage of guys they could go out there after Hulk Hogan went on on the third match. Yeah. On a seven match card. I was one of those guys that could go out there after Hogan and be in the fourth match and get the people back up. Get the people back in there because they they'd already seen what they came to what they paid to see. Yeah. You know, and they got all their they, they got all their glory. They got the pose down, they got the whole nine yards. And you know, they were spent after seeing Hogan and giving Hogan everything. Yeah. But then you got somebody like me going out there with Bret Hart or with uh, Kurt Henning or somebody like that and going out there and getting the people back on their feet. A hundred percent. And I've seen, you know, you know you've seen, you see it on actual cards that were televised and everything as well. And, and I've seen some cards where Hogan's been on halfway through and then it's just died, <laughs> died to death. But yeah. that, but that yeah. depends on who you put on after Hogan as well. And you know, that's right. Um, that's right. You're exactly right. So, you know, um, hey, well, my man, it's been, oh, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no. Well, just, just one more question. Actually, two more questions. Sure. But then I want to talk about uh, this one more time about the show and uh, your track Salvation as well. But uh, what did you think of okay. your entrance music? Did that, did that start to get on your nerves after a little while? <laughs> well, uh, you know, it was kind of like, no, not really. I mean, okay. but after, after, uh, after, well, because the first couple of times you're all excited. Yeah. Because it's your entrance music. And then it's kind of like, oh, this is all they did with it, you know? Okay, well, you know, try to make the most of it. It was kind of try like to a, get what I can out of it. Yeah, it was kind of now like when a program. I hear it, it's kind of like, oh, it's, uh, now when I hear it, it's kind of like I look at people and go, really? Okay, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it was like some weird programmed banjo. I don't think it was even real banjo. It was kind of weird, but um, no, probably not. When yeah. when um uh, when Rock and Robin used it as well, was that kind of an insider thing, or was that just? Like was that just as kind of a not a rib, but like kind of a tribute to the family, I guess. So, oh, I don't know. I I think they were just short of music, and they just said, "Use Sam." <laughs> okay. She looks like him anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, she and, had the mullet too. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
yeah, and I saw a recent picture of you at, uh, I don't think it was WrestleCon, but I saw you and Jake together and it was a great picture. So is everything, do you still, do you see each other a lot and how's the, how's, how's the relationship? Well, we don't between? see each other a lot, you know, but uh, we, we do see each other and we, when we do see each other, we have a nice time. Yeah. You know, and it's cool. I mean, uh, Jake and I, 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 there was a couple of times in our lives that we, you know, we were around each other a lot and we're close and stuff like that. Now it's kind of like, well, I'll see you when I see you, you yeah. know, uh, I reach out, I, I, but, but you know, he's busy too, you know? Yeah. And, and it's just hard now. I will get to see him. I'll, I'll be going to Vegas. So I intend to go to the school out there and everything and, and maybe work out with some of them guys. Yeah. <laughs> over to school and if i don't get to do that well at least i'm gonna grab his jake the snake action figure again <laughs> and i'm gonna put it in the middle of the ring again uh, and i'm gonna have him somebody film it again and then i'm gonna drop another elbow on it again <laughs> <laughs> oh that's heat <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then i'm gonna pin it <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, for a five count, yeah. Oh, five, got to <laughs> be a five King count. Kong Bundy five count. <laughs> well, Sam, thank but, you for doing this, and I don't want to hold you up anymore. This is going to be a two-parter because uh, we went so long. We went uh, two-hour Broadway, I think, and um, you know, I'm I'm going to tap out. That's um, awesome. Hi, <laughs> um, my brother. But yes, well, um, everyone please, should uh, go yeah. go for it. Sorry. Oh yeah, I just want everybody to know May the fifth. Is the debut for the All Pro Wrestling League yeah. in Whitesboro, Texas. Um, it's going to be six big matches featuring Jazz from uh, WWE, okay. uh, formerly of WWE. She was a ladies champion. Oh, yeah. Kay Kramer Downs, they're our ladies match. Rugged Rod Price has uh, uh, expressed a desire to step foot in the ring with some of these boys. Uh. <laughs> I told him, I told him about, uh, you know, uh, these guys are in their lack of respect. So he's, he's actually said if he'll bring his boots, but we've got, uh, six big matches. I'm wrestling Kojak Sly. Now he's one of the stars with, uh, Wildcat sports, uh, which is, I guess, one of the farm leagues uh. for Vince McMahon. Uh, I'm very impressed with those guys with the Wildcat Sports. I'm very impressed with the WXW. I'm, I'm impressed with a few of the schools that I've, I've been around and seen. Um, and, 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 you know, but, uh, and, and I'm only going to use the, the elite. I'm only going to use the best that I can get. So uh, keep your eyes and ears open because Sam Houston's kicking down the door and when I kick through it, I'm coming full steam. Nice. You know, I want you to listen to my song. My hope, my prayer is that it gives you encouragement. It gives you strength. And I'm going to tell you something. As long as you've got something to hope for in your life, you got a reason to fight. you got a reason to keep moving forward. So please, my friends, keep moving forward. I love you all. God bless. And you have a great time. Bye-bye. Thank, thank you very much, Sam. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.